You know we love spooky things. This is why we fell in love with Michigan-based Lynn B. Designs. When I popped the pumpkin spice all the things wax melt into my burner, my home was filled with a delicious buttery scent. Plus, there's the wide variety of a gorgeous nail polishes with themes like Hocus Pocus and Pleasant Peninsula. All products are vegan and cruelty-free, and you can find monthly sales on Facebook and Instagram at Lynn B. Designs. Head to lynnbdesigns.store today. Again, that's L-Y-N-B-designs.store. We love them. We love you. It's great nail polish. It's the best I've ever used. Thanks. Michiganders can be a superstitious bunch. We find all sorts of reasons to explain the world around us, sometimes pulling from science, sometimes tradition, and sometimes from our imaginations. What happens when we can't readily explain our experiences? And what happens when a ghost story gets out of hand? Do these legends stem entirely from fantasy? Or are people seeing things no one can truly explain? I'm Krista K. Coburn. And I'm Kay Gray. Welcome to Haunted Mitten. Welcome back. This week we're talking about cemeteries because, oh my God, Michigan has so many. So many. Oh my goodness. You are just driving down a random road and there's a cemetery. Yeah. And then another half mile, there's another cemetery. And then there's another cemetery. And then there's just somehow another cemetery. They're everywhere. (laughs) Even if you can't see them, it turns out. (laughs) Yeah. They're still there. (laughs) They're still there. So Michigan is chock full of cemeteries. And apparently a good chunk of them are haunted. No way. Go figure. There's so many. Um, including one that I didn't even know about when I did the research for the first part. And apparently it's the most haunted cemetery in the whole state, as many people have told me. So many people make that claim for like their local cemeteries, I though. Know, I know, but like enough people talked about this one. Yeah. And I was like, all right, okay. I'm yeah. sorry I hadn't heard of it before. My bad. <laughs> but don't worry we're covering it this episode as well as some other excellent graveyards to visit this summer because that's what i spent half of my summer doing yeah, it's good. i'm not the only one summer that does that time. right absolutely not no <laughs> so let's get started <laughs> elmwood cemetery is the oldest continually operated non-denominational cemetery in the state which is impressive because right. we are very religious in the state. Yeah, we are. It was dedicated in 1846 and has been open ever since. Reading from Elmwood's own website, quote, Elmwood Cemetery began its history in the spring of 1846 when some of Detroit's leading citizens conceived the idea of establishing a cemetery in the suburbs of the city. For the sum of $1,850, they purchased 42 acres from what was originally the George Hunt Farm in the township of Hantramick, and renamed the property Elmwood Cemetery, end quote. It should be noticed this was also Michigan's first fully integrated cemetery. All were welcome, regardless of race or religion, which, remember, this is 1846. <laughs> yeah, so this is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> also, Michigan was really important in the Civil War. Yep. We were integral to that as well. Yep. You're welcome. Uh, if you would like to learn more about that, please see our live shows at... Um, 
the one on Fort Wayne and the one on Detroit Landmarks. Thank you. Yep. Woo! <laughs> uh, so Elma was notable from the beginning. On the western side of the property is Bloody Run Creek, so named because in May 1763, Ottawa Chief Pontiac led a rebellion against the British after the, uh, after the French and Indian War. His men attacked a number of British settlements, including Detroit. We are absolutely not going to go into the details of this rebellion because it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's also very important. To it's really important. It's a lot. <laughs> I can't do it justice. Go no. read yeah. from historians that know stuff yeah. and are not just wanting to talk about ghosts. There are tomes written about Pontiac. Um, yes, there are a hundred books on the subject. Go. A lot of people died in this war. On all sides, oh, yes. including British Captain Dalyell and 20 of his men at the creek. Pontiac and his men won this battle. After Dalyell's death, a bounty was put on Pontiac's head, and history continues on from there. See previously mentioned comment about how we are not actual historians and you should go read stuff. Um, but this portion of the cemetery has been preserved by the Elmwood Cemetery trustees as an historic area with a plaque memorializing that event. So it's a whole part of the cemetery set aside. You can't bury anybody there. It is strictly for memorial reasons. For for that's really interesting. This yeah, that they would do that. Very it's cool. surprising and yet not. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that you would bother because so many other places in the state didn't. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Read our upcoming book <laughs> for more information. Uh, let's see. There are also a lot of notable folks from history buried there. Elmwood's site says a few of the people interred there, quote, include Douglas Houghton. It's Houghton. Houghton. Douglas Houghton, Michigan's first state geologist. Didn't know we had one of those. I know. <laughs> I learned a lot from this paragraph. Yeah. Eber Brock Ward, Michigan industrialist and Michigan's first millionaire. I have heard of him. Uh, seven governors, along with Michigan's territorial, territorial governor, U.S. Senator Jacob Merritt Howard, author of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the U.S. Constitution. You're welcome. And <laughs> General Philip St. George Cook. End quote. Hey! I didn't know any of that until I did this research. I was like, who are these people? I will have to look up those amendments because I don't know them by number. I'm not good at that stuff. I don't know what it is. Um, oh, nice. The 15th Amendment. I was like, that one's important. I remember that one. Uh, prohibits the federal government in each state from denying or abridging a citizen's right to vote on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. See Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> also Texas. And Texas. And uh, a few other states. <laughs> See the South. Machine was very abolitionist. Yes. Some and people forget that. Yeah. Cough, west side of Michigan, cough. And... The thumb and, and the north, the thumb and, and basically everywhere, but here conservatives and a few learn your history little cities up the coast. Thanks, Traverse City. <laughs> yeah, with all this energy, all this emotion, it's no wonder people claim the cemetery to be haunted. Among the more quote unquote usual reports of mysterious lights and orbs floating around is the apparition of a woman called the Veiled Lady. She's said to cause intense feelings of fear and dread in those who get too close. Apparently, folks who stand in front of her grave report hearing disembodied voices and smell strange scents. Um, so Nicole Beecham, in her book, Haunted Detroit, writes, 
Quote, while no British soldiers are known to be buried in the cemetery as it stands today, random sightings of soldiers in red coats have been seen by visitors. End quote. So I'm going to read um, from Nicole Beecham's book, Haunted Detroit, because it has a, an awesome and terrifying story um, about the Veiled Lady. Fantastic. She does good books. She's had two. She's got good And books. they're both amazing. And she's so nice. And she's um, a massage therapist. So. Yeah. Nicole, we love you. We really have to actually get you on the show and not just say that we will. Yeah. <laughs> we love you. Um, all right. So, quoting from her book, Haunted Detroit. Joshua Whitney Waterman, a Yale Law graduate, met Eliza Davenport, and they married on July 4th, 1846, in the state of New York. Together, they had four children, three sons, and a daughter. Their family relocated to the city of Detroit, where Joshua pursued a career in mortgage lending and real estate. Eliza's sister Fanny began tending to the Waterman's household. What began as domestic assistance soon blossomed into a secret romance. Eliza unexpectedly passed away in December 1865 at the devastatingly young age of 38. Although Joshua had an affair with his sister-in-law, he still had a deep love for Eliza and, upon learning of her death, was heartbroken. Following Eliza's death, Joshua married Fanny in 1869. Of course. (laughs) That's not very uncommon, though. No, not really. It's pretty common to marry sisters or brothers or, yeah. Yeah. So he had a memorial designed in Eliza's honor, hoping it would not only commemorate her life, but also make up for his shortcomings as a philandering husband with her sister. (laughs) The 12-foot marble sculpture depicts a floating woman with a veil delicately flowing across her face. The monument was crafted and shipped from Rome, Italy, and was part of the cargo on a sinking ship near Spain. It took two years to recover the monument from the site of the shipwreck. Two years. On the sculpture's second voyage across the Hudson River, it fell off the ship and needed to be recovered again. Good Lord. (laughs) It finally made it to Elmwood Cemetery, uh, but was knocked over and damaged in a storm in 1919. Oh my goodness. That's right. Many believe that those who gaze upon the monument are destined for eternal damnation. What? That's a leap. (laughs) Well, maybe. Okay. A young married couple, the, the Wrights, were visiting a gravesite at the cemetery on a crisp fall day in 1998 and decided to check out some of the other headstones. They came upon the Veiled Lady Monument, and Stacy Wright commented on how beautiful it was, reaching out to run her fingers across the detailed bas relief. As they continued to meander around the cemetery looking at the various names and dates on the grave markers, Stacy began hearing the crunching of leaves and twigs behind her. Stopping for a moment to see if the sound continued, she felt a light tickle on the back of her neck. Thinking it was a bug, she raised her hand to brush it away, but nothing was there. A second later, it felt as if a finger had swept across her neck, and it instantly gave her goosebumps. She turned to her husband and asked him if they could leave, relaying her experience. The couple got into their car and were heading toward the exit when Stacy slammed hard on the brakes and screamed, What's going on? Her husband shouted. I saw her in the back seat. Stacy choked out her words breathlessly. Who? You saw who? Stacy's husband whisked around in the passenger seat but saw no one. A few weeks after returning home, Stacy began having regular nightmares about her cemetery visit, always seeing the veiled figure prior to waking up. After multiple nightmares, the veil started slipping off from the side of the figure's face, revealing decomposed and peeling skin. 
So this led to Stacy staying awake throughout the night, resulting in severe exhaustion. Uh, yeah. She stopped showering, picked at her food, and was unable to carry out normal daily tasks. Yeah. Lack of sleep will do that to you. Always Absolutely. just try to get as much sleep as you can because, holy crap, the human body cannot live without it. Uh, Stacy was passed out from exhaustion on the couch and was awakened by a drastic drop in temperature. It didn't initially alarm her until she exhaled and saw a misty cloud in her breath. F- fully opening her weary eyes, she glanced around the room, fixing her gaze on the silhouette of a female figure in white with a veil standing in front of the basement door adjacent to the living room. The figure's gnarled and decayed fingers hung limply against her tattered, lacy, white dress. Stacy discreetly backed further into the couch. She was scared stiff, and the figure proceeded to slowly tilt her head in Stacy's direction. When Stacy let out a yelp, the entity transported from nearby the basement door to a crouch in a matter of seconds. As the figure savagely lunged for Stacy, Stacy threw up her arms to cover her face and head. <clears throat> which left her with severe, with several lacerations on her arms. The figure turned and walked away f- from her and walked straight through the basement door, leaving behind a sickening odor of rotting flesh that permeated the room. Weird. After months of waking up to the putrid smell of rotting flesh, an inability to keep warm, and discovering painful, bloody claw marks that marred her pale complexion whenever she was home alone, Stacy finally reached the breaking point. That took a long time. Yeah, I would have done something much sooner than this. (laughs) Much sooner than this. She felt as though she was being traumatized relentlessly by this figure and her health continued to decline. This ultimately resulted in her losing her job, her marriage, and her sanity. Eventually, she had a nervous breakdown and admitted herself to a mental health facility. Upon release several months later, she returned to her childhood home to live with her mother. So after a time of living with her mother, Stacy was getting a lot better. Um, She told her mother that she was going to take a shower. Um, Her mother was worried about her being alone. But Stacy reassured her, said it was just, it's just a shower. I'll be right back. I promise. Mm -hmm. Stacy went straight to the bathroom to run herself a shower. She was relishing in how great the steaming water felt as it cascaded down her sore body when she heard a door close in the distance. Thinking it was her mom, Stacy called out, geez, that did not take long, mom. But no response came. Hey, Mom? Stacy called out inquisitively. Still, there was no answer. From behind the semi-translucent shower curtain, Stacy could see a silhouette of a woman in white standing in the doorway to the bathroom. Stacy staggered back, frightened as far as she could against the back wall of the shower, and held her hand over her mouth to muffle the uncontrollable sobbing that came without warning. Becoming extremely lightheaded from hyperventilation, Stacy watched with glazed eyes as the white figure drew closer and closer. When the figure finally reached the shower curtain, only a thin piece of polyethylene vinyl acetate hung between Stacy and her worst nightmare. The figure's long and contorted fingers with dripping flesh came around the side of the curtain and grabbed hold of it. As Stacy lost her composure, her sobs pierced the once peaceful environment. As a defensive, leave me the hell alone, involuntary escaped her lips, three light bulbs inside the bathroom's fixtures shattered loudly into a million pieces. As the room went dark, it was filled with the malodorous scent of death. Instinctively, Stacy grabbed the rod holding the shower curtain and swung it through the air several times before eventually dropping to her knees and covering herself with the shower curtain as she wailed in complete and utter hysteria. Her mom returned home not long after, finding her daughter in an extremely vulnerable and fragile emotional state. 
Stacy was in such a traumatized state that her mother had distributed some sleeping medication to her, and the two women shared a bed, keeping the lights on the entire night. While Stacy's mother has never personally witnessed the figure, the ordeal continues to antagonize her daughter to this day. Dang. Didn't she have a husband? She did, but she lost him when she started oh, not sleeping she... and okay. went a little insane. So. What a jerk. The husband, I mean. Right. Now you stay with your wife. Yeah. What the yeah. hell? Something about sickness and health? Yeah, something about that. There's, there's like some vows in there or something. So uh, I'm going to go look at it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the, that's. That's what could happen because yeah. Eliza is apparently pissed. Eh? I don't know. I don't know. People seem to attribute things to people of the past. Yeah. That may or may not be true. No, it's I have a totally separate entity. Yeah, no, I have no idea yeah. why this, this particular monument is cursed other than don't put it on a ship. Yeah. <laughs> Do not take this thing on water. Yeah, apparently. The water was rejecting it, maybe, or trying to cleanse it. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so much folklore on water <coughs> yeah the universe Entities. was full on like this is cursed sink it yeah <laughs> instead of kill it with fire it's cleanse it with water cleanse it with water <laughs> anyway so that's yeah. that's the story of the veiled lady and I'm like that's such good writing like how could you not want to know go and buy her book she's a great writer I didn't even tell the entire story yeah yeah <laughs> I skipped her out. Yeah, she's she's a great writer. You yes. should buy all of her two books. If she has more in the future, buy those as well. Right. Buy all her books. Yep. <laughs> so I feel like we have a weirdly named cemetery in each of these episodes, and the trend continues with Muskegon County's Mouth Cemetery. Yep. It's Mouth. Yep. I remember reading about that a while ago. <laughs> and yeah, kind of going, all right, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's in White River Township colloquially called the mouth because it's at the mouth of the white river humans are not creative at naming things no Just, we're really not we're, we're so bad at naming super things. basic super basic that's how you get names like three rivers and even like Kalamazoo means like where the water boils or something. Like it's a descriptive name, just not in English. It's not, that's all we know how to do is either name things after people. Yep. Which could be super boring. Or yeah, just like I don't know. There was a big rock here, so we're going to call it Big Rock. I once saw Bad Axe here. I'm going to call it Bad Axe. Yeah. Yeah, things like that. It's great. It's great. I'm having a lot of fun with it in the fantasy novel I'm writing because I'm naming things like this, and it's great. <laughs> you're just being true to humanity is what you're doing. It's really... <laughs> And now, a word from our sponsors. A huge thank you to Chapters Tea and Coffee for sponsoring us this season. Their robust coffee and flavorful teas are keeping us going this busy spooky season. The Raven's Roast Coffee is perfectly roasted, incredibly smooth, and when I handed the first cup to my husband, he took a sip and a look of pure bliss came over him. Krista and her husband made the dream within a dream tea before bed, and they loved the well-balanced flavor and calming warmth of it. There are so many reasons to enjoy this brand. Chapters is local to Southeast Michigan. You can get all of their blends from drinkchapters.com. And they donate 5% of their net profits to Active Minds, the national leader for young adult mental health advocacy and suicide prevention. You'll fall in love with the art, the blends, the bookmarks. Do not wait to get your hands on these blends. Make the cold months warm and comfortable with Chapters Tea and Books. Again, that is drinkchapters.com. 
Thank you for sponsoring this season of Haunted Mitten. Um, so the nickname stuck to the cemetery, to the cemetery, and one of the schools, and ta-da, Mouth Cemetery. And Mouth, mouth School. Cemetery. And Mouth School, fantastic. Um, which is also a great name for a horror movie. That's really true. It sounds like there's a mouth, like, gateway to hell or something. Right. Um, according to thedeadhistory.com, quote, In 1854, the White River Village Post Office was established and the town had become a thriving lumber town. The earliest date found on tombstones in the cemetery was 1851, but it is thought that burials took place in the cemetery around 1830. Probably. Probably. Um, In 1859, all the township records were burned by city officials after it was determined to be impossible to reconcile the financial records. Wow. Okay. (laughs) With these records, all early records of burials at Mouth Cemetery were also destroyed. End quote. They just got rid of everything. Like, what? Shoot, they caught us. Burn all of this. Yes. That's what it sounds like. There was some corruption going on, and they were like, "Eh, burn, burn, burn. Burn. But, like, burn the stuff we don't, we don't, that has nothing to do with our finances. Maybe, you know, there were some (laughs) burials in there that they didn't want known about. (laughs) Ooh. Burn, burn everything. Kill it with fire. Kill it with fire. Oh my god. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. All right. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure guys. <laughs> sure. <laughs> there are also local legends and apparently some historical record of the White River having been an indigenous village pre-1700. Sometime in the mid-1600s, the village was massacred by another, and of course, some of their remains lay in the same place as the cemetery today. Who knows, man? Um, we're also talking about a lot of massacres this season. Yeah, we are. That's, that's oh wow. Too, yeah, huh. there were yeah, the, especially um, the mitten part of Michigan, but also the UP. Like there were so many like overlapping tribal areas. Like they were just and disputes. There were just... so many skirmishes between the the Great Lakes tribes in this area. Yeah. Oh my God! You guys wait till we get I mean, to Mackinac Island. Yeah, I mean this was prime real estate. I don't blame them. I know Uh, it is. It's it's real nice here. And then and then it just continued with the Europeans also squabbling over this area. Yes, the British, the Americans, the French. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Prime real estate. Everybody knew it. Just a lot of massacres. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is at least one newspaper clipping describing the horrific event. And I do love when there's proof, especially when it comes to stories of indigenous folk, and even when it describes a truly terrible massacre. (laughs) <laughs> Yay. Uh, all that to say it kind of makes sense that folks would experience strange things in the cemetery no way. Uh, there's a lot of history very violent history that happened in and around the area and that could have left a whole lot of energy behind as we've mentioned in uh, like I think the, countless episodes at this point yeah with like you know Iroquois point yeah huh. Iroquois bones <laughs> place of Iroquois bones you know, good god yeah Thanks. Well, yeah, all that, you know, like we've said a lot on the podcast, the emotion, strife, suffering, rage, sorrow. It's a lot of human feeling. Yep. Um, so when we say that a lot has been reported here, we get why. <laughs> there seems to be a girl in a white dress. It's always a lady in white lurking Just around about. the cemetery. <laughs> Many sources for this episode speak of people seeing the girl in a, quote, old fashioned white dress, end quote, but not expound on who she might be, why she's there, or what interactions she has had with visitors. As far as we know, she's hanging out. She's chilling. Yeah, and that's the story a lot, too. And that's the story of a white lady. 
Yep. Lady in white. La- yeah. I know it's called white lady, but like, that's white. really funny. Yeah. We're just chilling. I think that's probably why <laughs> they switched over to woman in white. I think so like, too. Oh, white Maybe we should say white good. <laughs> It has connotations now. Yeah, I would be very nervous about a white lady just hanging out. I would but be incredibly a, nervous. A, a well, spirit and dressed in white. Yeah, that's fine. She's cool. Yeah, no, I am that white lady that hangs out. Well, that's true. You are that weirdo. Woo. <laughs> Seriously, uh, Krista and her husband and my husband went, um, got the time off and went up to our friend's lake house and I didn't. So instead, I went and took pictures at cemeteries that we're talking about in our book. That's what yep. I did with my weekend. Well, we did that when we went up there before, too. We yeah, went we to did. We went to see Quay and... Yep. Yep. Fun times. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> yep. It's a fun way to travel. <coughs> it honestly, really is. To, and to again, folklore, find places. They're everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of them are kind of off the beaten track nowadays, so I think that's fun, too. Yeah. So, not far from the cemetery is the White River Light Station and Museum, a place that has plenty of stories on its own that we'll be talking about on another episode. I guarantee it. Oh, probably. <laughs> Uh, an old caretaker, Captain William Robinson, and his wife, Sarah, are buried in Mouth Cemetery. And while they don't haunt this location, people still honor them by putting small offerings on their gravestones. Which is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Strange mists have been seen floating over the graves, according to WFMK. There have been disembodied screams and crying. Batteries and electronic equipment have drained at an alarming pace. Figures show up in photos when there was no one in them at the time of shooting. The dead history says that folks have heard footsteps follow them throughout the graveyard, only to turn around and find no one was physically there. This place is wild. Yeah. We're going to talk about some wild places this season, too. We are. We really are. It's getting more intense. I know. (laughs) We didn't even plan it that way. No, it just kind of happened. And we couldn't talk about the cemetery without mentioning... Is it Sadony? I think chair? it's just Sadony. Okay. Sadony, Sadony, I don't know. Something like that. Sadony's chair. That sounds right. Which, that sounds. Which kind of English do I want to be? Right. Um, or the devil chair. There you go. It's called devil that's, chair. That's much easier to pronounce. <laughs> uh, legend has it that a teenager sat in this chair, which used to be in the cemetery, maybe? Quote, quote, question mark? I mean, yeah. it's uh. um, <laughs> records are hard to find and not just because they were burnt. <laughs> yeah, this is an oddly specific thing. Um, and we obviously have not been there, so right. I don't know. It could still be there. Maybe not. Maybe it's at the house. I don't know. Yeah, it could be in the museum. Um, but as you may have guessed, died the next day or a short time later in a car accident, obviously because of the chair. Yeah. Obviously. Authorities eventually removed the chair because it was getting so many visitors and too much attention. Um, but that led me to find a little bit more about who... Sidoni was and why he had a chair monument in Mouth Cemetery because that's not normal (laughs) no so yeah I don't know if I don't know if they ever put the chair back like I don't there's after it was removed like there's just kind of no more mention of said devil chair so they might have just like dumped it or something (laughs) right uh the dead history actually there's just a really great website I'm so happy I found actually gives a great explanation of the person behind the chair, so I'll read their take on it. If you'd like to know more about Valley of the Pines, I may be doing a Patreon on it in the future if there's enough dirt to dig up. So let me go find that. Uh, Joseph Sadony 
or Sidoni, was known as a philosopher scientist and focused his life on the study of intuition. He was also known to have an uncanny ability to foretell future events, including his own death. To say he was an interesting person would be an extreme understatement. When I, the dead history, first started researching the cemetery, I couldn't understand the connection to Joseph Sidoni or events that occurred nearby at his estate, Valley of the Pines, to Mouth Cemetery. He died in 1960 and is buried at Valley of the Pines. I read numerous newspaper articles printed during his lifetime about him in the Valley of the Pines, um, as well as different websites about his life and beliefs. Most of the articles written about him were very positive. A few articles referred to Valley of the Pines as a cult and painted less than a flattering picture of Joseph Sadony. Um, and then it, it's his name is mentioned in connection with Mouse Cemetery because he lived close there and he was considered just a really unusual person. There's not really a connection. <laughs> like, uh... Yeah, I feel like we've come across that too. There are like tenuous connections. Yeah, it, it's know. essentially that Joseph Sadoni was a weird guy. He had what may or may not be a cult, but like not a very bad one. And and he lived next to the cemetery. He dies. This chair shows up at the cemetery as a monument, which all right. <laughs> may not even be attributed to him in any sort right. of way. Right. And 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 urban legends like the yeah. teenager get started. So right. We love urban legends about teenagers dying. Yeah, we do. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so like the devil chair is probably not there anymore anyway. And it's just a fun urban legend, but it's yeah, not. It's a unique one. It's a very unique one. It's like you sit in this one. chair and it like decides you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Sure. There's not really anything behind it. It's just a weird chair in a cemetery. So they made up an urban legend about it. Because it's a weird thing to find in a cemetery. it's a weird fucking thing to find in a cemetery. <laughs> um, when it comes to visiting, as with any place, you should be respectful of the communities, both inside and surrounding the cemetery. Especially the place like Mouth, where legends abound, yeah. as we've said. Uh, grave markers and landscape can get abused and destroyed. So visit with reverence to the dead. Please. Can I just point out that... One source we use said that nothing original happens in mouth in regards to strange experiences. I don't know. They seem pretty unique. <laughs> and like, I'm sorry. Are disembodied voices and little ghost girls in white dresses normal to you? And devil chairs? And devil chairs? Like, way to lose your sense of wonder. Yeah, seriously. Oh, it's just the normal haunted things. Yeah. I'm sorry. All of that's typical, weird. Typical stuff. Just, just your typical haunting. Well, I'm sorry to have bugged you about it. I mean, these are things that do happen, um, but... They happen a lot, but it's like... No, there are definitely some unique stories to this place. They're unique, and I just think, like, it's all unique. Like, it's all weird. We wouldn't be talking about it if it was just, like, like tree leaves. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Um, And now we travel all the way back across the state to Redford and Redford Cemetery. Wow, amazing. That's named at Redford after the town. Uh, right on Detroit's eastern border on Puritan Avenue, no less. Yeah. This cemetery was created in 1831 and originally called Bell Branch Cemetery. Which is like a better name, but okay. Also, like, what? Where'd that come from? That's fine. I don't um, <laughs> The cemetery has always been restricted, open only to the blood and marriage descendants of Redford's founders. 
It only has 2,000 or so residents, according to the Redford Historical Society. Quote, Israel Bell, that's where it comes from, a Pekin or Pekin, I don't know, village commissioner gave one acre of land to the village for a cemetery. Just one acre. That's Good luck not with much. That. That's nothing. Wow. Originally called Bell Branch Cemetery after the river and the settlement founded by Bell in 1818, its name was changed to Redford Cemetery after Pekin's modern name, Redford Township. I also don't know why that changed. That was changed a lot. Yeah. I mean, Kalamazoo changed from um, Bronson because they hated Bronson and ran him out of town. Right. <laughs> so Fuck you, we're like changing that. the name. <laughs> Red, uh, additional acreage obtained in 1849, 1854, and 1883 expanded the cemetery to 10 acres, which is still not that much. Still not a lot. Of <laughs> which half is in Redford Township and half is in Detroit. A wrought iron fence was built for the cemetery in 1886 with money contributed by Redford Township citizens. Among those buried here are Israel Bell and many war veterans, including two from the Revolutionary War, Ephraim Danes Sr. and Darius Smead. Great names. Darius Smead. Yeah. (laughs) And many from the War of 1812, the Civil War, and World War I. Makes sense. Yeah. Especially the War of 1812. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, there isn't a terribly complicated history to Redford Cemetery, but a place doesn't need one to attract spirits, as we have discussed many times on the podcast. Right. There have been reports here of a woman sobbing, but when the grounds are searched, no person can be found. The sounds of crying, however, continue despite the search. According to WFMK, a popular legend here is that of the gardener's grave. Quote, the grave is said to be immediately to the left of the entrance. If you stand in the vicinity long enough, the stench of death will reach you. Yum. Great. This smell is followed by the appearance of the gardener, whose ghost will appear coming over the hill towards you. Be alert, because his apparition only lasts for a few seconds before he decides to disappear. End quote. I love decides. I know, it's, it's up just, to him. He's like, I'm done. <laughs> uh, so Kay has to do that now, obviously. Yep. Obviously. It's not that far from us. That's true. It's really not. Uh, there were a few comments on various pages that talked about seeing the gardener as well. Uh, we love when people tell their stories. We've said this before. It's, thank you so much. Paranormal websites are the only websites you should check the comments on. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because there's so much good stuff. People love telling their stories. Yes. And we love to hear them. Because so they're happy it. that they're not, you know, insane. Yeah. Like, oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Other people have experienced this too. <laughs> yes. It's validation. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah. It's cathartic. It's, it's a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Along with both of those entities, some folks have seen a large, very dark shadow follow them through the grounds, and others have experienced the ground shaking in the more forested parts of the cemetery. We will say that it is along Telegraph Road, one of the largest streets on this side of Michigan, so it could be the rumbling of traffic, but eh. Yeah. On its other side is the Rouge River, so there's a lot going on just right near the graveyard, so, you know, who knows what the rumbling could be. It could be... Yeah, and we do occasionally feel rumblings from earthquakes that yeah. originate in, like, Ohio, you know, so... Yeah, so yeah. who knows? Who knows? Nah. Um, also, not terribly far from us. It's not. So, maybe another day trip. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely have Redford's to go. Redford's not that far. No. We can I mean, go. Detroit's not even that far Detroit's not us, that far, but... Yeah. <laughs> we just don't go there because there's, like, traffic, traffic. and weirdness. <laughs> there's traffic. That's yeah. my main reason for not going. I just hate how the streets are set up. When you exit the freeway, I hate it so much. It makes no sense. 
And last for tonight, but certainly not least, is a place we've been asked about more than once at our live shows and which I, Kay, feels silly for not having come across before on my own. How did I miss this? With all the websites I go to, I don't know, but I did. Yeah. I've definitely come across it, and especially when I was at Ghostorama in Pawpaw, mm-hmm. uh, the first one, I think. Yeah. Um, everyone asked me if we'd been to Nunica yet. Yeah. <laughs> so we are finally talking about what may be the most haunted cemetery in Michigan, Nunica. And I hadn't heard of it. Yay. Sorry, everybody. Well, it's not in our neck of the woods. It's really not. It's in my former neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> One of the reasons it may seem so haunted is that upon its creation in 1883, families were permitted to create their own gravestones, which is really fucking cool. And I wish we still allowed that. Yeah. Yeah. The most you can do is the engraving. I know. Imagine how creative cemeteries would be. Yeah. You can't even have upright headstones in California anymore. That's super boring. It's so boring. Cemeteries look so boring. Yeah. They so would just boring. look like flat. They're just flat. Yeah. With flat like grass. the occasional like a Greek statue to like try to make you feel better. Yeah. That's really sad. No. It's, it sucks. MLive describes it as being upkept by volunteers from Crockery Township. Crockery. He must have made crockery there. (laughs) It has a dirt road running amidst the graves and is covered in trees with low-hanging branches, which frankly only adds to its creep factor. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Ambrose Hammond, in her interview with MLive on the subject, said, quote, In the middle portion, there's an abundance of children buried, which Hammond said is likely the result of a 1920s influenza outbreak that hit the area. She's also heard unconfirmed rumors that the front portion by the road is an old Indian burial ground, which is entirely possible. I'm learning. I'm like, yeah. But like, oh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of dead kids. Sorry. Yeah. But now having lived through one pandemic, right. Looking back on another pandemic from a hundred years ago when yeah. their science wasn't as good and stuff. I get it. Yeah, I do too. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, we get it now. Unfortunately, I can relate to this in a way I wouldn't have five years ago. Right. Nicole Bray of the West West Michigan Ghost Hunter Society and author frequently mentioned on this podcast went to get uh, some control photos prior to a full investigation and caught orbs and quote unquote ectoplasmic mists. Question mark. (laughs) In the picture she took. On WMGHS's first investigation, Bray saw a dark silhouette standing maybe 15 feet away from her. Unfortunately, she was in the middle of reloading her camera at the time, so she didn't get a picture. Another time, a black silhouette was seen walking down a road. They experienced cold spots throughout the cemetery, some painfully cold, and some people felt like they were being followed. Once, while finishing up an investigation, a strong wind enveloped the group like a tornado, but the skies were clear, and it w- so it wasn't a storm. The wind was so strong, people could barely keep their feet. Uh, but just a short drive from the cemetery, there was no wind at all, so it was a very localized windstorm. Yeah, which these things do happen in Michigan, but the circumstances she describes are a little strange, Yeah, to say the least. Um, Nicole Bray again investigated with a digital thermometer camera and EMF detector. The EMF detector went quote unquote crazy and she snapped some unusual photos. Bray did some digging and learned that the small town had been a victim of an influenza outbreak in the 1920s, like many places were, explaining the high number of children buried in the cemetery. She heard that the front part of the cemetery was once an Indian burial ground. So we've got more than one. 
Yeah, more than one investigator saying yeah. this. Yeah, and th- and I believe that it's entirely possible because if you already have a burial ground from your friends, is a lot of these people made friends with the early right. settlers. You would then probably use the same space. It naturally evolves like, into yeah, yeah. People are just gonna do what the people before them did. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, also, a man hanged himself allegedly from one of the trees there, <laughs> uh, but she couldn't confirm either of these stories: the burial ground or the man. Yeah. Um, You'd have to be an archaeologist to confirm some of that. Yeah, pretty much. Um, though a lot of paranormal activity centered on the tree, centered on the tree, only occurs about fifteen to twenty feet in the air. Very hence, interesting. Yeah, hence people. I'm assuming. Well, so I guess someone's been hung here or something. Yeah, because why else would it be so far off the ground? Right. Um, also, people in the past like to hang people a lot. They just did this. They just did it. Yeah. It's fucking mob, awful, mob but they did justice. it. Um, Bray also reported feeling drained physically after visiting the cemetery, as well as experiencing equipment failures. So the stuff you tend to associate with um, extremely active places. Mm-hmm. Shadow people are reported. During a WMGHS public investigation, a group standing near where a large number of children are buried experienced a severe cold spot, and one person heard a little boy's voice. After that, the cold went away. When Bray and two other investigators approached the group, they each had a sensation of being frozen, quote, from the inside out, like someone forced a bucket of ice down into my stomach, and I literally could not breathe for a few moments, end quote. So that sucks. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> so that's weird. Uh, these two, uh, Those two experiences come from the books Ghost Stories of Michigan by Dan Asfar and Ghosts and Legends of Michigan's West Coast by Amber Rose Hammond. Yeah, good books. Check them out. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Anything Amber Rose Hammond writes is I I quite enjoy. Oh uh, yeah, no, I yeah. love them. Yep. Uh, Hammond also recounts the legend of Mister Bond. No, <laughs> not that one. Uh, near the grave of Civil War veteran Joel A. Bond, women have had their backsides touched and hair played with. We're getting back into familiar territory here. <sighs> yeah, we are. Uh, people assume his is the playful spirit, but no one really knows anything about his personality. It's just near his grave. Yep. Um, hauntedplaces.org says, quote, Joel A. Bond has been seen as an intelligent spirit and mostly watches from afar. Although despite Joel A. Bond being the main spirit known in the cemetery, Orb's odd readings and general uneasiness makes it especially haunting. End quote. Fair enough. And we have, um, we have comments. We have comments. Woo! So let's just take a look at some comments in our last 10 minutes here. From the comments of hauntedplaces.org. When me and my club went to investigate the first time, it was pretty quiet, but sometime around 11 p.m., everything seemed suddenly to shift. Uh, Suddenly the atmosphere was heavy. It became a blind walk in the dark. No one could see three feet in front of them. Around this time, we decided to pack up and leave, but that was when we heard the weirdest thing, a scream. It was so loud, so blood-chillingly awful. I genuinely felt I genuinely felt like someone was in trouble. But after searching the premises for about another hour, the club members left as well as myself and de- deciding to give up. But I will never forget how quickly it it went from spooky to horror in the cemetery. It was a very intriguing investigation, well worth the trip. And another comment, in Nunica Cemetery, uh, nighttime, so some of these are not written with the best of English, I will do my best. In Nunica Cemetery, nighttime, my Don and I went there. We saw one old tree, uh, a man hung up and died a few minutes 
then gone. Scared, we ran out of the cemetery. Never go here again. <laughs> Never go here again. Um, better in the daytime. No problems in the daytime. Um, and uh, this is the last one. Quote, I have seen a full shadow figure there who I believe to be Mr. Bond and have gotten many EVPs at this site. I live just down the road and visit often with my group or myself. Another one we have to investigate. We just have, we have so many reports from Nunica. Yeah, I think there are videos on YouTube about it, too. <laughs> I think so, too, man. yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. No, it sounds um, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, lots of dark shadows. I don't know how rural it is. I, I didn't look it up on um, Google Maps or anything. So I'm like, I don't know. Screams could be foxes. They make weird, some weird-ass noises. Yeah, and Who foxes knows? get into our towns, too. I've seen them in, yeah. like, by my house before when I lived in Portage. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't a person screaming. I'm just saying, like, animals there, yeah. make some weird-ass noises Yeah, sometimes. there are other <laughs> terrifying things. Goats. Goats oh make creepy God, noises. The worst. Foxes. Yeah. Um, so that's most likely not our last cemetery episode. No. Do you know how many cemeteries I have found since I wrote this? Oh, yeah. We got so many. Good God. Um, certainly a doozy, <laughs> I think, for this one. Um, so thanks for joining us. Uh, remember, you can find us on most socials at Haunted Mitten. Just uh, check it out. We're not on TikTok, though. No, we're not. It's, it's not. That's it's, not us. No, that's not us. <laughs> Thanks, though. Nope. Um, Kay's still on Twitter, um, but you can also find her on Blue Sky, Kay Gray Writes. I do check Twitter every now and again, but I'm, I've kind of moved away from it. Sorry. Yeah, I'm still watching the I'm still watching the train wreck. It's still pretty funny. I just get updates from my husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can be found at Krista K. Coburn, Kay at Kay Gray Writes, Haunted Bitten at Haunted Bitten. Yeah. Um, Check us out there, man. Yeah. Talk to me. Talk to me, please. I'm lonely. Yeah. And Blue Sky is kind of quiet, so. It's really quiet because there's just not enough people on there yet. Come friend us, please. I got codes. I got codes now, too. Yeah. I got like four codes. (laughs) Check out our Patreon. $1 a month gets you access to um, our Haunted Mint Discord channel, which is awesome. Yeah. There's only like four of us that talk. But it's fantastic. We yeah. talk a lot. <laughs> Plus our husbands who are both weird. Especially and mine. He's been on the show. Especially he should, hers. You he should know how weird he is. It's true. Yeah, he did the Bob Lowe Island one from last season. Yep. It gives you some other stuff too that I'm totally blanking on. Um, including our like past Patreon stuff. We also now have a $3 tier. Which will include Kay's Crime Corner and our live shows. But everything from before uh, the start of this season... Is still at the one dollar level. We're Should not gonna, be, yeah. We're not going to take that away from you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we have merch. Go buy some merch from our website. Yeah. There's a link to the merch. Lots of fun stickers. Yeah, it wasn't swamp gas. Hashtag not a witch. Hashtag absolutely a witch. Yeah, and some other stuff that I'll think of later. <laughs> some fun stuff. Some fun stuff. Yeah, um, and then, like we said, we love stories. So. Send us emails at contacthauntedmitten at gmail.com because we want to hear about your spooky stories. We're going to start having mailbags. So yeah, get those in, friend. We, will, we want to hear them. Absolutely. Give me the stories. So all right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. Sticking with us. Season five. I know. Five years, Krista. Yeah. And as always, happy haunting. We're back here to talk to you about Lynn B. Designs. 
Not only do they have the best nail polish to rival even those most expensive nail polishes on, you see on Instagram, but they have stickers, wax melts, shirts, everything cute and adorable and definitely ready for this fall season. So be sure to check out this vegan, cruelty-free brand. You will love them as much as we do. Check out Lynn B. Design's monthly sales. They are fantastic. I am going to go look at some right now. Thanks.